friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. In Ezekiel 38, I'm going to go ahead and read the text. I'm going to break a little bit of the text down for you, then kind of give you the background, okay? Uh, So Ezekiel 38, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face towards Gog. Now, now Gog is is a word that is used for leader at that time. This isn't a particular place, it's a person. Set your face towards a person, a particular leader that comes from the land of Magog. Now, in another version of the Bible, another translation, you're going to see the, that Gog, the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh. Rosh is an old root word for Russia, okay? We, we had a period of time, I'm old enough to remember this, um, some of you young people Uh, understand Russia as an antagonist in the world scene today. Uh, Some of us older people know that Russia uh, had a little period of time where we all thought they were the good guys, that they were going to be okay. You know, we had a president that, uh, and I'm not going to go into politics, but we had a president that uh, really reached out his hand. And there for a little while, we had an issue that kind of dropped and we had some we had perestroika. You remember, perestroika was the new version of what the communists were going to do in, in Russia. And we thought that, well, maybe they'll become a democracy somewhat, someday. But the Bible does not say so. Isn't it interesting that uh, Russia was the bad guys? They tried to play like they were the good guys. And unfortunately, they are the bad guys again. And the Bible said otherwise. So Rosh is an old root word for uh, Russia, okay? And uh, let's go a little bit farther. It says, the chief prince of Meshach. Meshach is an old root word for Moscow. Write that in your notes, please. You'll be able to find this. And uh, actually, outside of the Bible, historical accounts, the old uh, word for that area of the world that we now call Moscow was Meshach, okay? And, uh, and Tubal, which is today Tubalsk. That is the second major city that you'll find in Russia today. And I will turn you, who is doing this? God. I will turn you about, put hooks in your jaws. Now, I want to help you understand something here. In biblical history, Old Testament, the Jewish nation was set up to not only produce the Messiah to the world, but also to be a missionary nation to the world. In the various diasporas, the Jewish people would be led off into captivity or would be enslaved in Egypt, Babylon, Persia. And even in, during the Roman Empire, there was persecution. It spread the Jewish people out from what we call the Levant or Antolia. This was an area where they spread out into the nations at that time. And they carried the message of the one true God. Are you with me? All of that stuff in the Old Testament was not God making things up, God confused about what he's going to do next. Confusion is of the devil. God has always known what he was going to do with the nation of Israel. And Israel would produce the Messiah, but also tell the world about the one true God. Now, Israel going out, but during the tribulation period, it's not Israel going out. It's the nations coming in. It's the nations that God pulls now to Israel. Why? Because the dispensation of grace is over. I want to tell you something this morning. I want you to get this here. So we're about to read something mysterious in the book of Daniel about 490 years, 70 times 7. 
If you remember in the New Testament, Peter went to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times should I forgive? Seven times a day? Jesus came back with a a equation that is not mysterious when you begin to see God's prophetic time plan of the world. Jesus said not just seven times a day, but seven times, 70 times a day. Or for, for our math whiz in the room, sorry, I always pick on Mr. Ryan. He's, a, he's our math whiz. That's 490. So 490 years was given to the world in Israel at one time. Jesus was in effect saying, you should forgive like God forgives, and God forgives the world, watch this, 490 years worth. You say, well, pastor, that was more than 490 years ago. Why was there more time? I'm about to teach you that the Messiah, Jesus, came and stopped the clock. He stopped the clock just short of seven minutes on the play clock. Come on. Or seven years. That's why we're in today what's called the dispensation of grace. We are in a time where the ref stepped out, on the, on, out onto the field and said, time out, time out. The world has been on time out for about 2,000 years. But the clock is going to start again. Hello. And I want you to see that God is now going to judge the nations just as he judges people. And this time it won't be through grace. This time it will be through his holy judgment that has been racked up for some time. Amen? So I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, bring you down. I will bring you out, your armies, your horses, horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords. Here's some other nations here. Persia. Okay? That would be modern day Iran and Iraq. In fact, I've got a slide here for you if you'd like to see if I'm going too fast. So Persia would be modern-day Iran and Iraq, okay? Kush, Kush is Ethiopia, um, then or Libya. We also, actually, Kush would be Egypt, pardon me. Moses, if you remember, married a Kushite, a Kushite. That's Egypt. And then Put would be Libya and Ethiopia. All of these nations today, with the exception of Russia are Muslim. These nations are going to come together with a Russian coalition and they're going to invade Israel. When they do, they're going to fail. Because God has promised to protect the nation of Israel. Now, I'm just as much a red-blooded American as you are. But I believe the major reasons why we are blessed as a nation are twofold. Number one, we were, we were launched as a nation on God principles. We need to get back to those principles. Biblical principles. Number two, we have been a friend and we have been a supporter of the nation of Israel. God says in the Old Testament, I will bless those that bless, come on, and I will curse those that curse you. We want to be on the right side of the game. Amen? And so there's another nation here. It's uh, Beth uh, Togermah. That is modern-day Turkey. Unfortunately, it is a Muslim nation today. During 1st century, 2nd and 3rd century church, that's where the seven churches that John wrote to, Ephesus is there, Philadelphia is there, Laodicea is there. But the church moved away from there. It is a Muslim nation today. 
these Muslim nations will join together with the Soviet Union and they will attack Israel. I want you to see that's going to be right at the beginning of the tribulation period. You say, Pastor, how can you tell us that it's right at the beginning of the tribulation period? Well, I'm about to read to you some other verses in Ezekiel where it mentions that after the war, Israel will take the spoils, Israel will take all of the things that are left over from the war, and they will use it as fuel for seven years. Now, that ought to remind you of something. Come on. They'll have seven years to burn all the spoil that came in, all the extra gas tanks, all the artillery, all the stuff that comes in to invade this nation. God is going to allow the Israelites, the Jewish people, to use that as fuel. How about that? Ironically, for seven years. How about that? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that special? Yeah. Now, I want to take you back to high school. Let's take a little break here because that was kind of a... Let's take a little break here. I want to take you back to high school. If you played in any sports in high school, you remember that your coach had a whistle and had a stopwatch. Come on. Right? None of you played in high school. Okay. Uh, I did that for a short while. Figured out I wasn't very coordinated except behind the drum set. So, but I remember that my coach, Coach Flag, he taught our, our and, and led our basketball team. He was a fourth grade teacher. He had a whistle and he had a stopwatch. I knew what both of those items were for and I hated them. If you understand your coach and you understand what it takes to prepare for the next game, you know that he uses those two items in a way that you learn to hate them. We had the whistle for what we called suicides back in the day. That was running back and forth between the lines on the basketball court until you absolutely wanted to get sick on yourself, right? And it was all about winning the next game. And he would just, he would blow that whistle, doot, doot, doot. And I just wanted to take that tutor. I was a little boy, though. I couldn't have pulled it off if I wanted to. There was another item that Coach Flag had, and it was a stopwatch. And he was able to take that stopwatch and he was able to say, now, I'm giving you one minute to pull off this play. You have only one minute. There's, you're not going to get more than, come on, church, one minute. I want you to imagine if God were to speak to Ezekiel and to speak to Daniel. By the way, they were contemporaries. They lived at the same time. At the time of writing of the book of Daniel and the book of Ezekiel, they both were enslaved in Babylon. And yet what God did was take his whistle and take his stopwatch and in both of their lives tell them the story of all the games that would be played for the rest of the tournament. Wouldn't it have been great if you walked into, uh, how about this, if you walked into the locker room and your coach were able to say, we're going to win the next seven games. And you go, well, how, coach? And the coach go, wait, you don't, you don't understand. We are actually going, I have seen that we have won the next seven games. I'm even going to tell you the teams we're going to play. I'm going to tell you what the score is. I'm going to tell you with my stopwatch just how long it's going to take it. Come on now. Just how long it's going to take us to win these games. And I'm even going to blow the whistle at the end. Now, how does that sound? And that is what God did with Ezekiel. With Ezekiel, his name means God is strength. 
with Ezekiel, he gave them all of the teams that would be played at the very end. With Daniel, he did one better. His name means God is my judge or our judge. With Daniel, he gave them all of the teams that would be played all the way up to the time of Jesus and then all of the teams that would be played after that as well. Long before even the leaders and the teams even existed. Now, if that doesn't give you some faith in the validity of the inspiration of Scripture, I don't know what will. Your Bible is inspired by God, and it's true from beginning to end, historically accurate and true. So much so that when the Bible, now to Daniel, prophesied that a man would rise up at Xerxes, or another name would be Cyrus the Mede, he was named before the man was even born. Later, when the man was born, he recognized that I'm that guy. <laughs> Have you ever like gotten a picture and it's, it's been you know, something of your family and the, everybody's in the family there? Have you ever picked up that picture and looked for yourself and seen yourself in that picture first and then noticed everybody else that was in the picture? Come on, come on. Right? Yeah, there's, this isn't a selfie church at all. But... But Cyrus the me did. And when he actually came to power, he read the verses that even named him by name before he was born. And then gave a decree that Jerusalem would be rebuilt as well as the temple. And with a man by the name of Daniel, God said, I'm going to give you the stopwatch. Not just the teams, not just the teams at your time and the teams that are coming, I'm going to give you the stopwatch for how long this will last. He said it's going to be 490 years, right? But he said something mysterious is going to happen before we get to the end of the play clock. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? The mysterious, wonderful, powerful thing is this. He said the Messiah will be cut off. The Messiah, the Meshach, will be cut off. Jesus, right at, watch this church, Jesus, right at 483 years later, died on the cross. Come on. Yeah, I just want to tell you this morning, those that responded to the gospel of Jesus when he walked on this face of the earth responded not just because of the miracles, they responded because Scripture in Daniel said at that time, come on, that he would walk this earth. They knew from the Scriptures in Daniel, mm, 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 mm. Say, Pastor, you're giving me a haircut. Hang on, church. Jesus was prophesied to be here just when Jesus showed up. Or let me put it in another way. Your God is always on time. Because time is on His side. Rolling stones. Not on yours. Not on the nations. Not on the enemy's side. Time is on His side. Jesus died on the cross and it stopped God's watch. And now we've had a period of grace. But the watch is about, the stopwatch is about to start ticking again. What are the three things we will see coming very, very soon that will cause that stopwatch to go again? Say, Pastor, I'd really like to know. Well, let me give them to you. Number one, you're going to see the rebuilding of the temple. The temple idea is what started the stopwatch. 
the temple idea is what's going to start it again. And there are people in Israel right now. In fact, being in Israel myself, near the Western Wall, if you do an about face, there is actually an institution that is adjacent to the Western Wall where the temple used to stand, where they are training priests for that very thing right now. I have pictures on my cell phone to show you the men that are going in to be trained to be priests in the new temple that is going to be built. And if God says it's going to be built, it's going to be built. Number two, you're going to see a man come to power that the Bible says is possessed with Satan himself. He has the Antichrist spirit. This Antichrist spirit has been here many times before. We've seen it in Hitler. We've seen it in Titus of Rome. We've seen it, seen it in Antiochus Epiphanes. We've seen it in world leaders before. We've even seen it, in my opinion, in Nimrod. We've even seen that spirit all the way back to Cain. I do not have time this morning to break all that down for you. Let me just tell you that there's been the same devil all along that's had the same bag of tricks. But this time will be the last time. And he will do something that is saddening to my heart. He will sign a peace treaty with God's people in Israel. Are you with me? Are you with me? This peace treaty is for, well, how about that? Seven years to protect Israel. He is the beast that John saw in the book of Revelation that came up out of the sea, sea representing people. This beast had 10 crowns representing a confederation of nations, which I believe is the revived Roman Empire. They're European nations. We're going to get to that in just a moment. They're going to give him their power. And they're going to stand for Israel when Rosh or Russia, Meshach, Tubalsk, Togomar, Put, Kush, all come together and decide to invade. Now, it's an interesting battle that takes place. And is it okay if I tell you some of the detail? I don't see too many small children in here. This is going to get gory. And I want you to understand that it's not me getting gory. It's the Bible getting gory. And the reason why the Bible gets gory is to warn us. Okay? It's to give us a heads up of what's to come. You don't have to be here, church, to experience all of this. There is a rapture of the church. The church age will be over. The church will be taken away. It will be seven years left for Israel. You're not Israel. You are Christians. You don't have to be here for all this goriness. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the story. Ezekiel 39, verse 3. These nations come in to invade Israel. And this is what God says. I will strike your bow from your left hand and make your arrows drop from your right hand. On the mountains of Israel, you will fall, you and your troops and the nations with you. Now, today we don't have bows and arrows. We don't, we're not Indians. We're not, we don't shoot arrows at countries, but we do have ICBMs. And Israel has something today, very interesting time that we live in, called the Iron Dome. Anyone ever heard of this? When I was in Israel, they explained it to us several times because people in the... <laughs> People on the bus kept saying, what about if bombs come down from Hezbollah? And it was, un it was really uncanny because our leader would kind of, our guide would laugh a little bit and go, you're not familiar with our Iron Dome. 
You see, when those missiles come down, they have what's like the American Patriot system. They're able to shoot those missiles out of the sky before they hit the ground. I just read to you the verses that explain that. 2,500 years before it happens. Ezekiel 38, verse 22. We just talked about sky defense. Let's talk about ground defense. 38, 22. With pestilence and bloodshed, I will enter into judgment with him. This is Rosh, Tubal, uh, Meshach, and all those nations. I will reign upon him and his horse. The many peoples who are with him will see torrential rains and hailstones of fire and sulfur. So I want you to see that the enemy at that time that is attacking Israel will use probably what we call today tactical nukes. Not the strategic kind that blow up entire cities, but the kind that will take out individual armies. And the radiation is contained. But I want you to see that Israel has tactical nukes as well. In fact, what they're telling people is not probably as much as they have. Wouldn't it be nice if we had leadership that didn't tell the whole world how much ammunition we... I don't know. That's just a little something-something there. No extra charge. But it sure would be nice... We didn't tell the whole world what we had before we got into a fight. They have upwards of 400 tactical nukes, but they're telling everybody we've got at least 90. All right, 90's enough. 90's enough to stop all of the armies that invade. I want to show you what happens to those armies when they do invade. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 12. Their flesh will rot while they're standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot from their sockets. Their tongues will rot in their mouths. On that day, people will be stricken by the Lord with great panic. They will seize each other by hand and attack one another. Can you imagine what would happen in a small-scale thermal nuclear blast? The, the, The parts of your body that have moisture in them are going to instantly evaporate. You're going to go immediately to a skeleton. This is the attack that's coming on Israel. And God says, you're not going to touch my people. You're not going to come down and touch my people. It's interesting that in the same context, there's other nations mentioned in Ezekiel 38. There's these nations called Dan and Dedan. That would be modern-day Saudi Arabia. It also mentions the merchants of Tarshish. Tarshish is is a city in the European coastline. They say, art thou come to take a spoil, O Gog? And it also says, all the young cubs and lions. Here is England, who has on their crest a lion, and there are many nations that are part of England. They're cubs. I want you to see what's mentioned in the Bible is Saudi Arabia as well. They're in coalition with nations in Europe, as well as England, are saying, oh no, You're not going to come and attack. You're not coming to take what's in Israel. Well, what is in Israel? Why would anybody want to attack it in the first place? The same question would be synonymous as to why would Hitler hate the Jews in the first place? Come on. It's not just spiritual, though. What what does Israel have during this time that the rest of the world may need? Well, number one, it's floating on oil. Number two, they have an aquifer system that is the best in the world. They have a desalination system that is the best in the world. You say, well, big deal. We've got plenty of water. They won't then. You see, the river Euphrates is going to be dried up. 
If you've read your Bible in the book of Revelation, there's going to be a problem with water and food. Now, I know right now we're all worried about how much money we have, but I want to make it real basic for you, okay? When it all boils down to everything hitting the fan, what really, really matters is, do you have water and do you have, come on, and do you have food? And see, Israel is going to continue to be blessed. You think that area is a desert, arid land. It has not been there. It is lush. It's covered in bananas. There's bananas and there's mangoes and there's fruit and there's, and it's growing, it's stuff's growing everywhere. Gee, I wonder why. And we're going to enter a period of time where the world is going to be hungry. The world is going to be uh, wanting water. Israel is also going to have plenty of fuel. The Soviet Union, that's what we used to call it, but this new Russian coalition will come down and want to take a spoil. Europe will say, oh no. England will say, oh no. Saudi Arabia will say, oh no. Where is America? There's no mention of it. And that's where I'm headed with landing the plane here this morning. Where is America? Now, I want you to hold on to that question and that thought as I take you to the Battle of Armageddon. Because you thought things were really bad. But wait, there's more. I shouldn't be laughing about that. But we've got England mentioned. We've got all the Middle East nations mentioned. We've got Russia mentioned. We don't hear about America, but there's one other superpower that isn't in the equation that we should be talking about. China. And you know, Pastor, God isn't really that precise. You know, this was all, all the verses of Scripture were just written to people at that time. Not people today. We can't glean anything from it today. Oh, there's so many bad arguments that come from that. You see, by the time you get to the book of Revelation, God makes sure that we understand that China isn't left out either. That we'll know what China does as well. You know where the book of Revelation is. It's at the end of your Bible. Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. And it says this, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. The water thereof was dried up. The way of the kings of the east might be prepared. The kings of the... There have been some scholars that have said, how could John even know anything about the east? Well, hmm. A, because John had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit knew. But B, the Silk Road that connected that part of the world all the way to China existed 200 years before Christ did and before John did. They knew about that area. Not many people had been there. We know that Marco had been there, but that was much later. (laughs) All right, let's move along. But how did John know? The Holy Spirit, but also the Silk Road, historically was there. They knew about the kings of the East. Revelation 9, 16. There's an army, and it says that army is made up of 200 million soldiers on horses. And I heard them, and how many they were. Verse 18. One third part of all the men was killed by the fire and the smoke and the sulfur that came from their mouths. Now, during John's day, there weren't 200 million people on the planet. That should have bothered everybody reading it in the first century, second century, third century church. It should have bothered them. Because when you see that number, there weren't that many people on the planet. There are today. There are today. Does anybody know how many people are on the planet today? It's not in the millions. 
Okay. How about, how about billions? Right? Right? And interestingly enough, we have China today boasting not 200 million men in their army. They are boasting that they could raise 318 million strong right now. That would leave 200 million to go fight a battle right at the end of the world. And 118 million to stay back to protect China all at the same time. If you've ever wondered if you're living in the last days, you're not just living in the last days. You're living in the last day of the last days. And all of these things are coming to pass right now. Right now. Well, pastor, pastor, what happens to them? Well, the Bible says in Revelation 16, 13, or 16, it says, he gathered them together. Who did? God did. Just like Rosh and Tubalsk Mosque, right? Or Meshach. All of these nations were pulled by God in. This nation and these nations, these Asian nations are pulled in by God. Israel's not going out. Nations are coming in to be judged. And gathered them together in a place in the Hebrew tongue called Armageddon. I want to tell you about Armageddon. Been there? I want to tell you about what it looks like. You can give me another slide if you would, please. Um, this is an area of the planet that Napoleon Bonaparte said that the final battle of the world should be fought. This area is 200 miles across, totally flat, 200 miles across. Think about this for a second. There are three major highways and intersections that come through this area, including one that connects three major continents, right? So it connects the Middle East, Africa, and Europe all come through this same area. It's called the Via Marius. That is the way of the water or the way of the sea. This area connects the known world on that side of the globe, right there. Napoleon said, if you wanted to fight a battle that was the last battle, you ought to fight it here. Interestingly enough, from space or from an aerial view, it looks like a solid bowl with the mountains of Israel surrounding it. In other words, Two, a battlefield could be brought together of two opposing armies that would come in and fight each other with neither army getting the high ground. Remember what I said? High ground, right? Because it's all about strategically having the high ground. All right? Now, the mountains that surround this area are very interesting. Really neat things happened. I'm going to give you a few of them for your notes. Mount Precipice is the mountain that surrounds Megiddo. Mount Precipice is in Nazareth. This is the place where they, they sought to throw Jesus off of. Come on. They're going to throw him off of, and the Bible says that Jesus got away from him. They were going to try to kill him. That's the first time that anybody tried to kill Jesus. Wasn't his time yet, and wasn't the cross. Now, Mount Precipice is where Jesus grew up. I want you to imagine Jesus growing up in Nazareth. I want you to imagine him working with his father every day. Probably stonemason, but that's another subject okay i want you to imagine as the day is coming to an end and the sun is now setting in the west jesus walking to the edge of his family's home looking out over mount precipice and seeing the area where he would soon come again this time not as a boy but as a man this time not just as a savior but as a lord and king coming in on a white horse and it's not about battle to battle mano and mano somebody this time has the high ground 
and his name is Jesus, and he's coming back in the clouds, and the armies of God are with him, and you and I are with him as well. Every day of his life, walking out going, that's where it's all going to end, Daddy. Abba, Father, that's where it's all going to end. This pain, this suffering, all of this wickedness will soon be over. The Bible says that he comes back, and it's with a word that comes out of his mouth that his enemies are slain. It's not even a contest. You understand WWF, right? They put Hulk Hogan in there with Andre the Giant, and they throw each other all over the ring. Come on, right? And that's what we call a fight. This ain't a fight. With a word, it's over. That's the God we serve. Can you give him some praise this morning? There's another mountain that surrounds this area. Uh, it's called Mount Tabor. This is the area of transfiguration. This is where Jesus was transfigured be- uh, before Peter, James, and John. And just over from there is Mount Moray. This is the place where uh, we see several he- healings occur. But in the Old Testament, we know that there was a, a particular witch of Endor. This is where she came from and Saul met with. Very interesting. Next to that is another mountain. How many mountains do we have? Well, just hold on to your seat. (laughs) We have another mountain. This is the mountain that Saul and Jonathan are slayed and killed by the Philistines. And they're displayed on this mountain for everyone to see. Directly across from that, what we'll call the bread bowl of Israel, right? Directly across from that is Mount Carmel, where we know the prophet went up and slew 450 prophets of Baal. And right dead center is where five major battles Israel has fought against the Arabs. And it's really, really interesting. It's especially the the, the six-day war called Yom Kippur. Every single one of them, they won. Every single one of them, they were outmatched. And every single one of them, God showed up. I wonder what you're battling today. What is your bread bowl? What mountains surround you? I wonder what has you thinking you're locked in. Or caved in? Can you stop looking at your circumstances and look up? Doesn't the Bible tell us that when you see these, all these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption draweth nigh? Doesn't the Bible say that the good gifts of God come down from the Father of lights? Come on, look up, church. I don't know what you think has got you boxed in this morning, but I'm telling you, my Savior has something bigger, but it's higher. It's not where you're at today. It's up. Look up in faith. Believe and trust your God. This is interesting because the Bible says in Revelation 17, 16 that this army comes across the Euphrates River and it has to dry up. I am not kidding you. Look this up right now. That river is drying up. Look it up. I'm not making these things up. That river is drying up so much so that they're finding archaeological finds that they never found before. It's very interesting that it dries up. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that when this battle takes place, Revelation chapter 14, 17, it says there's a wine press and it's trampled outside of the city. I want you to see that in a wine press, they have a large stone bowl. They put the grapes in the bowl and the grapes of wrath are stored there. And the wine press is a place where you come in with your feet, hopefully washed. And you press out the grapes and there's a hole at the end of the bowl and all of the juice then flows out of the bowl and that's where they get their grape juice. I want you to see that Megiddo, Har Megiddo, 
that means hill of crowds, all right, is a literal geographic bowl. That when Jesus comes down into the wine press, the Bible says in Revelation 14, 17, that the blood that comes out of this wine press will be to the horse's bridle. It will be a lake of blood as a result. You say, well, pastor, how could we get that much blood without it soaking into the soil? You're forgetting that the bodies will also take up area and space. Imagine 200 million people dying all at once because they've defied God. And that's all, folks. That's the end. And that's what's coming. We have only had a few decades on this planet where there's been no war at all. Jesus said that in the end, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But the wars I've just told you about are not just going to be minor skirmishes. The wars I just told you about that are coming are going to end the planet. But more than that, it's going to end Satan. It's going to end the Antichrist. It's going to end those that are wicked and that defy the Lord. Wouldn't it be great if today you got on the right side of the game? Wouldn't it be awesome today if you gave your heart to the Lord and you stood on the right side of the field, not the left? Let me leave you with this idea, because I'm like you. What about my country? Why doesn't the Bible say anything about America? In fact, if I were you, I couldn't leave here today hearing about every country in the world mentioned in the end, but not mine. I love America. I don't know how you feel about it, but I love this country. This is, God started America. I got to believe that. I got to believe that it was founded on godly principles. I got to believe that it was founded on the word of God. I got to believe that it's not just symbolic when we say in God we trust. I got to believe that the Ten Commandments being posted and at the back of the Supreme Court is for real. I got to believe that we mean it. Not our whole country means it. That doesn't mean we're completely lost. Let me give to you very, very, very quickly three scenarios as the reasons why the Bible doesn't mention America. Number one, it could be that we diminish as a nation completely. I don't like that idea. I don't care for that idea. But I, I want to remind you that there's a beginning, middle, and end to all nations. Babylon only lasted 86 years. The Persian Empire, 208 years. Greece, 268 years. We know that Rome ruled for 900 years or nine centuries, almost a thousand. In the United States, we're moving on towards 300 years. But let me ask you the question. Could it be that we diminish so much as a nation that we're not even mentionable in the Bible? That's just one idea. Here's another idea. And folks, these are from the book of Glenn. Okay? It's a short book and it's really weird, but it's... It's out there. It's okay book, but it's out there. It's weird and short. Okay. Here's another one. I, I, I don't like this one either. We could be destroyed in that first war. We could be there to defend Israel and be destroyed in the process. I don't care for that one either. I pray that that's not the case. But we're not mentioned 
We're not mentioned in the book of Revelation. We're not mentioned in the Old Testament. It could, that could be the reason. Can I give you a third? And this is the one I hope for. This is the one I pray for. This is the one I want to agree with you in prayer for. That before this terrible story happens, that we have one last revival. And so much of a chunk of this country is raptured away. Think of what happens if our military has a revival. Come on, church. Think of what would happen if what, what would happen in this nation or in this country that has stood up. Think about World War II. Think about if America didn't do what it did. Would there be a France? Think about where we have been and what we have done in the world stage being directed by God, that we didn't show up to the fight and protect people. Think about what would happen if a majority of this country got on its knees again and started serving Jesus again and had a revival and the rapture came. Think about what would happen in this world. Think about the power that would give the Antichrist. Think about how God alone would have to defend Israel. You say, Pastor, that's a lot of wishing. That's a lot of wishing, Pastor. Second Chronicles 7.14 tells me I don't have to wish. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive them their sin. I will heal their land. 